Welcome to the Metal Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. As always, we just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors before we dive into this. So uh, starting off, we got Land Betterment. Uh, we, we love the guys at Land Betterment. We had an awesome conversation with them on episode 97 of our podcast. So we encourage you guys to go and listen to that to learn more about them. Uh, but just a quick gist of what they're doing. They're taking these old abandoned strip mines and coal mines, putting sustainable businesses on them and bringing jobs back to the areas that lost those jobs when the coal mines went out of business. So they've been an awesome partner for us as they've sponsored season for of middle tech uh, and i'm going to let evan give a little ad read about uh our other sponsor brandon johnson and the johnson law group yep so let's talk about uh brandon johnson so brandon johnson is an attorney who works with entrepreneurs and small businesses here in kentucky he's worked with startups he's worked with influencers he's worked with real estate investors uh, and i keep saying it but if you're starting a company and you're serious about it you have to take you know, law and, you know, the legal side of it very seriously. You have to get an attorney uh, because the headache that they save you uh, later in life uh, is is definitely worth what you're paying um, on the upfront. Uh, and they're more than willing to help you. And, and Brandon is more than willing to sit down with you and, and do a consult with you and just talk to you and understand your needs. Uh, and, and he'll do that for free. Um, so really encourage you to reach out. Uh, he's from Forsville, Kentucky. He's a University of Louisville a graduate. He's worked for companies like Louisville Slugger uh, and Papa John's. Uh, he's just a Kentucky boy who's wanting to help uh, those in our state start businesses and do so successfully. So if you want to learn more, go to middletech.com slash Johnson Law. You can learn more about uh, how to get in touch with him and use his services. And he's fun to work with. I've worked with him. So definitely encourage you to reach out to Brandon. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and dive on into it. All right. Welcome back, guys. We are here with a good, awesome friend of ours, Keith McMunn, uh, who is the MC of Five Across. And we're here to talk a little bit about this past Five Across. So it's uh, gone through a little bit of a change here during the pandemic on all virtual. Um, and we're, you know, Evan and I are really proud of watching how Awesome has adapted to that. So we're excited to kind of dive in, talk about the pitches, talk about Five Across going virtual. Uh, but wanted to go ahead and, and welcome Keith into the podcast here. What's up, guys? How are you? We're good. We're good this morning. We're here uh, recording an early morning podcast, which is a little unusual for us, but it's a good way to start the day. Yeah. So yeah. For, for some for some background here, uh, what we wanted to do with this was Liz, Liz Brown reached out to us and said, hey, how can Middle Tech and Awesome work together doing some commentary on Five Across? You know, normally uh, the commentary is limited to, you know, Keith and Garrett and the judges. How can we bring more of the community and get the community involved? Uh, so we were happy to get involved and figure out ways to uh, provide our commentary on these pitches and these ideas uh, and, the, and the founders of, of these awesome startups that are pitching. So, you know, looking forward to diving into uh, into these pitches. Before we do that, though, I would love to kind of recap the event as a whole. So, Keith, uh, talk about, um, you know, how you guys have adapted to COVID and, you know, what hopefully is not the new normal, but how have you guys been uh, been adapting to, to virtual? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, great question, Evan. So the the event, I mean, Five Across and really Awesome Inc. as a whole is all about community and providing community for entrepreneurs. Um, and so when community became a real luxury or at least a real challenge to have, um, we got kind of nervous about the future of Five Across or at least the current state of Five Across, um, you know, last year, kind of like Q3 or Q2 of 2020. Um, but man, I got to tell you, and I hope that so many more businesses and organizations realize this too, is we have, man, it was just like a good forceful push out of our comfort zone. Uh, COVID has been. Um, so all things considered, I mean, I hate, I hate the expense uh, of, you know, certainly people's safety and lives. Um, but we're fortunate that uh, COVID pushed us forcefully out of our comfort zone and, and made us adapt uh, to some new normals. Uh, because I think that even when things go back to normal, um, the way that we knew it, we're going to still be practicing things that we've done during COVID. So one of those things is certainly like we've gotten really good at, at hosting virtually from a technical standpoint, like we've got it down. Uh, we kind of know like the different tools and software we want to use to make sure that people can tune in virtually, even if they can't make it to the in-person event. Um, so, yeah, we've gotten good at hosting it virtually. We also uh, we love to tell people about this. It's like one of our favorite things. Uh, but we also started taking the event outdoors to the Whitaker Bank Ballpark uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's where the Lexington Legends play. And there's just so many baseball puns in, in entrepreneurship <laughs> anyways. Like, I mean, these are entrepreneurs pitching and now they pitch from a pitcher's mound. It's just like, it's almost like a head scratcher that we had never thought of that anyways. So um, anyways, that is, that's kind of me hinting to you that uh, every year from here on out, you can expect at least one event to go outdoors to the ballpark, even if, uh, you know, even if COVID is in the distant past. Yeah, I really enjoyed the ones that were at the ballpark. I actually got to participate in one of those dizzy bat challenges, about broke my neck falling into the dugout. So uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> We've got a good video of that. Yeah, we got a good video of that. Yeah, you really um, lost your balance. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of the point of the whole game. So you guys really set me up for that. Um, but I assume you guys are probably going to keep this virtual component going forward to allow people that might not even be in Lexington to continue joining, uh, even when we do go back to being able to have more in-person events. Yeah, definitely. Um, and here's why it's because so February events are typically our small events. Uh, it's kind of like ho-hum weather. People don't really like want to get out of their house. Um, but because this event was virtual, it actually ended up being one of the largest attended events we've ever had, uh, like period. That's awesome. Uh, so there were, yeah, 237 people tuned in the other night for five across. And um, that includes people from their couches, uh, but it also includes a few entrepreneurship classes, like one from Denison University and one from the University of Kentucky. Um, yeah, so 237 people from, you know, way beyond Fayette County. And I guess like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of admitting at this point that like, man, I think we've been really missing out on, on not putting in the virtual component in the past. Um, and some of that was like, hey, like what we believe in for this pitch competition is like in-person community. And like we want, we don't want people to like choose the easy thing, which is to stay at home and just put it up on their computer. We want people to choose the kind of the hard thing, which is to like get in your car and, and join us in person. Um, but I think moving forward, like we just can't afford not to have a wider reach with the virtual component, even if people can be there in person safely. 
How are you uh, engaging the audience? So for those that do sit on their couch and watch it, what are some ways that you're keeping them engaged? Yeah, a good question. I hope uh, I hope it's working. We'll have to we'll have to see. Here's I mean, here's the reality it is like a pitch competition at 5 p.m. after a long day. I don't imagine that everyone is like solely focused on the pitch competition, just staring into their computer. I'm sure they're a little bit distracted with like kids running around or like, you know, something else is on in the TV in the background. Uh, what we've been doing, though, to keep people engaged is uh we actually give people a lot of reasons to be on their phone while they're uh, you know, participating in the pitch competition as an attendee. So a few ways that we do that is like we've made our, our five across booklet or like the program uh, fully virtual and we've made it pretty interesting. So if you pull up the virtual booklet on your phone, um, there's ways to like, you can click on links to check out the company's websites that are pitching. You can learn more about the judges. You can see future event dates, all kinds of like little reading material within our virtual booklet. Um, another thing that we do, and you all know Garrett. Uh, so Garrett Harbach is our, I always, I always just call him Trivia Garrett, but between every pitch, he has this like fun kind of off the wall trivia question where the winner has to, uh, so whoever gets the trivia question correct, is the person who typed it into the kind of the group chat that everybody can see that's tuned into the event. Um, and they'll type in the answer the fastest. And so that kind of keeps people on their toes a little bit too. Like they'll try and, you know, submit an answer for a trivia question. Uh, and then one of the newest ways that we're keeping people engaged kind of with their phone again, um, that I really want to highlight is we've, we've overhauled our voting system and our rating system. Uh, for the five, for the for the presenters. So, if you've been to an event um, before, you might remember that attendees are asked to vote on Instagram. Go to the Awesome Inc. Instagram. You know, go to the stories. Slide on the scale how you think that presenter just did. Well, we are we're we're ditching we're ditching Instagram, um, and now we're moving into a new voting system that is created by uh, a Kentucky startup called Rads. Um, so Rads uh, and his, their founder, Matt Miller, were generous to build an all new uh, rating and voting kind of like platform on his website so that people can go to rads.com slash five across. And what's cool about it is it gives the attendee the opportunity to like give a little bit of information about themselves. And that's important because then they're going to give a lot of feedback through the voting to the startup. And now after Five Across is over, every startup that participates in the event will get a PDF report saying that like, hey, 18 to 25 year olds hate you and 30 to 40 year olds love you. And here's what they love. Here's what they rated. Like your overall pitch quality was like a this out of 10. Um, and they get like crazy good insights now that you just didn't get from Instagram. So um I mean, I sincerely mean this. Now, attendees at Five Across have a huge responsibility to be engaged and interact and vote the way that they honestly want to vote because the presenters are going to take that information and perhaps pivot some, like all of their company or some of their company, some of their techniques. So, um, yeah, so that's how people are staying engaged, hopefully, and, uh, and really kind of like chiming in on the future of these companies. Yeah. And it, you know, 237 people attending, if we can get a, a high percentage of those to give their feedback, that's super valuable to the founders that are pitching. So I love that you yeah. guys have, have found a way to give them more robust data there. 
Uh, but let's go ahead and dive into some of the teams that pitched here and start giving our thoughts and uh, talking a little bit about the pitches. So uh, will you start going through the the five companies that gave a pitch at Five Across? Yeah. Okay. So the five companies that pitched at Five Across uh, in February of 2021 were, uh, there were a couple of companies, I'll just list them off and their founders. Um, so we had Splute AI, which was presented uh, by Jack. There was Simple Kiosk, uh, which is kind of a, a, an initiative of Fresh Eyes Solutions. Uh, and that was Kelly. Uh, we had Legal Gantt, which was presented by Carlos and Hashem. And MentorVet, uh, or, which was pitched by Addy. And finally, there was Vontech, uh, which is an initiative of Vishanical Technologies. And uh, their their founder is Vishan Mosby. So Splute, AI, Simple Kiosk, Legal Gantt, MentorVet, and Vontech. Awesome. So what we wanted to do here was kind of give a little bit different commentary. So during the pitch, you know, these founders are getting judged and asked questions on their actual product. We'll do some of that. You know, we'll talk a bit about the products, but, you know, we wanted to talk about the actual pitch delivery uh, and some of the other things that that maybe those judges aren't necessarily talking about. So let's let's start with uh, Splute AI. Um, as far as the the idea goes and the company goes, personally, I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was really creative, um, and you know the the market is probably pretty small, but you know the the people that are willing to pay for this are probably going to be willing to pay a lot for it because um, you know people love their pets. It's a large, very large market. Uh, but yeah, what did you guys, what did you guys think about the idea itself? Yeah. So I, I first got to interact with this company, um, by being part of the selection committee for launch blue, uh, which is a pre-seed accelerator from UK and, uh, and Splute, uh, pitch. And I was like, man, what a wild idea. So the idea is basically like AI learning and, um, and facial recognition for pets. And my, you know, most people, I think, first opinion or like reactions is like, why do we need to know the difference between the pets coming up to you or whatever? And um, then the more you think about it, yeah, actually, you know, I think like data is suggesting that people are having fewer and fewer children, but more and more pets. And yeah. uh, so I think I think maybe he's on to something with uh, with some future pet growth here. Yeah. And I think something that I took away from that pitch was uh, two things for me. One, just kind of how the barrier of entry to using technology like computer vision is kind of getting lower and lower. He mentioned building it, building the back end on Azure. Am I saying that correctly? Azure. Azure. Yeah. Microsoft Azure, their cloud competitor. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's pretty interesting that it's becoming more and more accessible for technology like this to be built. Uh, That was one thing I took away from it. Another thing was the way they built their MVP, he mentioned it was a cardboard cutout. And I really, I think that's something that needs the entrepreneurs that are listening to this should take away from that is you don't have to go out and build some complex prototype. You can build it out of cardboard and just kind of prove, uh, prove out the concept. So that was something I appreciated about his pitch as well, uh, was how he, you know, went out and actually just built it without dumping a bunch of resources into the first, first version of it. Yeah. One thing that I was curious about related to the idea, uh, one thing I thought he should have talked about more was, what's the what's the cost what's what's at stake for these pet owners that um you know might have a uh, multiple pets that are eating dog food they shouldn't so like what's the value of the product like uh what damages are done in the industry or to people's pets uh as a result of them eating this this wrong dog food and how 
uh, if they're going to help that using this artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, uh, you know, what, what, what are they preventing cost wise for owners? You know, how much does it cost for a person to take their, their pet into the vet, uh, and maybe get some kind of, uh, digestive pill or some kind of, I don't know what you do to a, to a pet if it eats the wrong dog food, but I wanted to know yeah. like, what's the cost? Because if somebody's going to spend, you know, it's gotta be, uh, close to a hundred dollars for, for, sure. you know, for this, I'm sure 50 to a hundred dollars for a dog bowl or a cat, you know, a cat bowl. What's the, what's the alternative? Um, right. so, yeah, I mean, I, so I personally don't have a dog. I grew up with a dog and I've grown up with friends that have multiple dogs and it's no, I've, I've heard it a thousand times that, you know, if a family that has two dogs, one dog will eat more than it should. And the other dog will not eat enough. And, um, so uh, I don't know why you guys would be familiar. Maybe you are, but I think uh, so. One potential competitor that comes to mind is a company called Furbo, and Furbo is yeah. like a, it's a dog camera bowl. And uh, well, it's actually I think it's just a I don't it's know like a monitoring device, and it throws. I've, I've, I've bought one. It throws out. Really? It throws out the little treats at your dog. So yeah. like if you're not home. You put exactly. some treats in the furbo and it shoots the shoots the treats. It, it's got a it's got a camera and if you know if you're like in the middle of the day you're at work and you're like thinking about your dog I'm like you know what you're I want to reward you with a little treat like I can push a button on my phone and then and then it tosses a treat. Well, I'm looking at it uh, now and they're about 170 dollars per device. And um, so let's just say Splute like comes out with a device in that in that neighborhood. Um, my goodness, I mean I don't know like a sales technique that would get me to buy it is you just tell me like, Hey, on average, you're wasting this much money on food every month because it's going to the wrong dog. So buy Splute and, um, and you know what, like it'll pay for itself in a matter of one month. Yeah. And that's, that you got me there. Yeah. That, that's some of the data we needed, uh, during that pitch. Another critique of the pitch, you know, part of what we want to do here is critique some pitches, uh, for future guests and for these, uh, presenter so that the next pitch they can come in and uh, switch some things up maybe uh, when he was talking about the tam uh, you know he mentioned that it was a 90 billion dollar industry uh, and, and that was kind of where he left it uh, and, and when you're pitching a product you know you want to get as as down as far as you can on that tam so that you actually are accurate with it so 90 billion dollars is nowhere near uh, the pan, the tam for a device like this so what uh, personally i would have done if i was if i was pitching this i probably would have started with Okay, what's what's the dog bowl and what's the what's the pet bowl industry for for food? So let's mm-hmm. start there, uh, and then let's figure out the percentage of people in the United States that maybe have multiple pets, and then mm-hmm. figure out you know how many of those people are buying luxury uh, luxury products for their pets. What's the luxury you know pet market uh, yeah. for you know pet supplies? So I probably would have figured out you know some of those things because ninety billion dollars is not even something I would have mentioned you know on the on the pitch. I, if I did, I would have narrowed it down. Similar to, um, I think uh, Scent Simple uh, Kiosk did this uh, pretty well um, in her pitch with the TAM. Um, but yeah, that's that was one of the critiques I had was you know when you mentioned TAM, you want it to be you want it to be accurate. You don't want to throw something out there that that sounds big and sounds cool, uh, but you want mm-hmm. it to be you know the actual who you're going after. Yeah, and I just want to define something for our for our listeners as well in case they don't know what TAM means. Yeah, that's an acronym for Total Addressable Market. Uh, it's a total addressable market that your your company, your product would be going after. Yeah, um, I think yeah. you're. I think you guys are absolutely right. I mean, I think a lot of like a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, especially in their early stages, are tempted to show this huge 
total addressable market because what it means is like it's a huge opportunity, but you've got to pair that with a, but here's how we're going to like, if we're going to eat an elephant, here's where we're going to take our first bite and, and really like make it so believable that like, okay, we're going to, we're going to tap into that huge opportunity one bite at a time. And here's where we start. So yeah, couldn't have said it better, Evan. Cool. Cool. So let's move on to uh, simple kiosk. And I want to give Kelly a shout out. She actually, we just released a developer deep dive with her. So Kelly is a, a developer that's worked for Apex um, and someone that's just been really involved in the awesome community. So we're, we're excited to have a developer deep dive out with her. Uh, encourage our listeners to go check that out if you want to hear a little bit more in depth uh, about what Fresh Eyes is doing and, and the tech stack and all that goes into that. Um, but let's talk about her pitch a little bit. So simple kiosk uh, is essentially a way for the perfume and, and fragrance industry uh, to market on more of an automated basis, I guess. But, you know, Evan and I talked about this. We like the concept a lot. Um, what did you think of, of the idea and how she pitched that, Keith? Yeah, I thought Kelly did tremendously. Um, I was really impressed. Uh, so I think this is another company associated with Launch Blue. Uh, so big shout out to them for attracting some some bright minds. Um, I thought that Kelly's pitch was uh, really well done. Uh, I think that she is, I think she's tapping into a pretty big opportunity uh, where I, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not somebody that pays attention to fragrance industry news at all. Um, But the moment she kind of like, you know, pitches her company, like it's like this veil is really, or like pulled from over my eyes where now I see like, yeah, how ridiculous is it that such a huge square foot footprint is dedicated in every big store to like perfumes and, um, and like in general, just in business, like you want to make it super easy for your customer to give you their money. Well, if I want to go buy my wife perfume right now, I have to go and like walk up to a counter. I have to, and they're all locked by the way. Then I have to wait for somebody to like come unlock it one at a time, maybe give it a, a little spray on a piece of paper. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, so it's, it's like, it's like a very difficult process for me to give you my money for, uh, for a fragrance for somebody. Um, and so that, I think that's just part of what like the value proposition of what Simple Kiosk is for the consumer is like ease of use and also just like there's no social pressure necessarily um, from like a, a salesperson that's you know getting commission. Um, so I think uh, I think the simple kiosk was really cool. I think her pitch was really well done. Um, personally, I really like founders. How should I say this? Um, if you've ever met Kelly, you know that she is uh, is like this really kind, sincere, kind of subdued personality. Uh, not like this loud, boisterous, like, hey, the spotlight's on me kind of personality. And uh, I don't know about you all, but I, I really like fall for those personalities when it comes to a pitch because I know that I'm really impressed by a good pitch that comes from a technical uh, kind of founder because it seems, um, man, I just love hearing like, okay, you're the mind that's building it as well as selling it. Yeah. So they're really getting outside yeah. of their comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. So my, my take was, I, I love the idea. I think it totally makes sense to your point. I was going to say the same thing. You know, when you walk into Macy's or, or Dillard's or whatever, there's like a whole floor almost dedicated to like scents, uh, which is pretty crazy and, and perfumes and, uh, cologne. And yeah, I've never been comfortable. I've never like even had the desire to walk up to one of those kiosks and like walk up to somebody and talk to them about 
how I should smell. Like that's none of their business. Like, you know, maybe but you should. The way that I think, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe that's the, maybe that's part. Maybe that's some, a problem of mine. But uh, one thing that I think is interesting is you know the Stitch Fix model. Uh, I feel like that's more scalable uh, to like somebody to go online, uh, pick some you know fragrances or things that they like about you know smells or whatever. I don't know how. I mean, I've never again. I've never shopped for fragrances. So I don't even know what the questions they would ask are, but. You know, it'd be cool if I could get them like shipped to my house, test them, and then uh, give my thoughts and then pick one and then it gets delivered to me uh, versus having to go somewhere. I feel like that's probably more scalable than this. I don't know. But uh, I don't know what the margins are on on this kind of stuff. She said it was almost 100%. So it's basically uh, pretty high margins, it sounds like. So uh, I think it makes sense for, for brick and mortar. Um, but I think it's, there's something to the idea of uh, can it be more scalable? Can you deliver these uh, fragrances to people's homes. I'm sure there's something to the idea of during the delivery, the the fragrance might um, dilute or something. But I don't know. That was one thing I was thinking of when I was watching this. Was this is pr- there's probably something more scalable, but maybe there's not. But I love the idea. I think it's something that uh, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think uh, to to give some critique here as well. One of the things that I was wondering in the pitch is, you know, how is this going to be manufactured? Something that I would have liked her to touch on a little bit more is. You know what kind of partnerships or plans does she have to to have the the physical kiosk uh, actually be manufactured? I think that was something that I would have liked to hear a little bit more about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Let's uh, move on to Link- Legal Gant. Uh, yeah. So Keith, tell us about the the founders here and and the company. Yeah, founders here are Carlos and Hashem, both uh, young entrepreneurs uh, and. And man, uh, what my experience with them so far has been that they are just like willing to to grind. They're tremendous networkers. Uh, but they started Legal Gant. Uh, I believe they both met at U of L Law School. And what the reason why they uh, kind of had their eyes open to an opportunity is, man, shoot, I forget if it was Hashem. I think it was Hashem was in a car accident a few years ago, and. Um, and as a result, he had some some legal fees. Uh, I don't think it was his fault, by the way, but uh, for what it's worth. So, uh, but they he had some some legal fees and had to work with an attorney for different reasons. And and he found himself completely like in the dark on the progress of his case. Uh, he had medical bills that he had to take care of, but you know he was trying to juggle like you know what should I be making payments on medical bills or should I be waiting until a result of this case and. So he felt timid. He felt like not, maybe not necessarily like kind of permission to reach out to his attorney to say like, hey, you know, where do we stand? It's been a few weeks since I've heard of you, from you. So what Legal Gantt wants to do is create uh, a really good, clean uh, relationship building communication system between an attorney, her lawyer, and their client to essentially just say like, hey, I've been, I am working on your, where the, the attorney has an easy way to say like, hey, I am working on your case and here's kind of like the progress um, so that you can just see and trust that like we're moving forward. And in case you need to show that to anybody else, to prove that like, you know, we're getting closer in this case, then great. So uh, yeah, two, two really bright young entrepreneurs, um, they they've done a great job connecting with you know players in the industry. Uh, something that I'm really proud of from the five across standpoint is that we actually were able to combine him with a pitch coach that's totally relevant to him. So we we paired him up with Tony Bonner from Dinsmore and Shoal, and you know, uh, and I didn't even I didn't even give Tony a heads up like, hey, you're gonna love this. 
or a particular company because it's relevant to you. So I just let it be a surprise. But so Tony coached him and his pit in their pitch. And, uh, and now I assume and hope that we'll become a bit of a mentor or advisor to them. So, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about legal game. Yeah. Did, did the coaching come before the five across pitch or, or is now they, now they have the pitch coach? Well, yeah. So when, when you apply to pitch for five across, uh, we do require that you get paired with a pitch coach, Got someone it. that's just familiar with five across enough that they say, Hey, I've been to enough five acrosses to know some of the, the you know, the quick and dirty tricks or tips to like win the, win the pitch competition. And so we've got a mentor network that does that. Um, yeah. their relationship after the event is totally up to them. I thought their pitch was great. I thought they did a great job telling a story. They took that story all the way through the end. Um, mm-hmm. It just flowed really well. I thought they did a really great job with that. So, you know, telling a story is always one of the most impactful ways you can open your pitch to say, hey, I've got some kind of personal connection to this. This is how it's personally affected me. And based on that experience, I want to solve it this way. And they did an awesome job of that. I thought uh, that was awesome. One of the critiques I had uh, was, and let me ask you this, Keith, when somebody pitches at five across, are they pitching to their ideal buyer or are they pitching to the crowd? Man, that is the, that's the golden question for five across. Yeah. Cause I, I typically tell people before you pitch, you better know your audience, but here's the tricky part about five across. You've got university students in the audience. You've got bluegrass angels, investors on the judges panel. You've got uh, presidents of, you know, like you've got such a crazy hodgepodge of whoever the heck is in the audience. So uh, what I would tell um, legal Gant in this case is pitch as if uh, it's a combination of potential customers as well as potential investors. So if you can kind of tweak your language in ways uh, or your message in ways that, you know, checks both those boxes, you'd be wise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, that's kind of, I guess, a tightrope, you know, it's something to walk along that's probably hard, but you know, if they're pitching to their, to their buyer, uh, then, well, the way they pitched it was to consumers. I guess consumers aren't paying for this. So, uh, that was, I guess, one of the critiques. If, if as a five across pitcher, you're supposed to be pitching to the people that are buying it, uh, then they didn't really do that. So as a, as an attorney, you know, there's a lot of questions. If I was an attorney, I would have asked, uh, that they didn't touch on, but if they're pitching to a more general audience or to an investor that might not necessarily uh, be in the legal space, uh, I think they did a great job. Um, Randall Randall touched on that question a bit when he asked um, about you know um, the the target audience and and who's actually paying for this. So that that made it that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think they nailed the value proposition from the from the client standpoint. I don't know that they did a great enough job highlighting, hey, if you're if you're a law firm here in town, this is why you want this. It's gonna it's gonna separate you from the pack. Because um, what it sounds like on the surface is, hey, attorneys, pay money for this thing that's gonna require more work of you. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and if that's not what it is, then they need to make clear that that's not what it is. And and that's really not what it is. So um, I think they're going to be really successful. I think they'll make that tweak. Yeah. I think, I think um, if they were to pitch, you know, to the, the lawyers uh, and the attorneys, what I probably would do in their shoes is like, again, re- uh, related to, you know, what we talked about with Splute, uh, what's the cost of if a lawyer doesn't do this? So if a lawyer doesn't do this, maybe they should take, you know, screenshots of negative reviews people have of their lawyer and if those negative reviews have anything to do with transparency, 
then mm-hmm. that's a good reason for for you know an attorney to to buy this product. And due to that lack of transparency in those bad reviews, what kind of hit can that have on, on your business? How many clients do you lose? How much business do you lose as a result of not having that transparency between the attorney and the and the client? So that, those are some bit of feedback, but they did a great job. Yeah, I agree there. I think he actually did touch on that. I think he should have taken it a step further and essentially done what you're talking about and either attach screenshots or per, a, add an actual monetary cost to it. Yeah. Um, but I do, I remember him saying there's some sort of legal term or some sort of motion, I don't know, something like that, that uh, their client can take some sort of action the client can take uh, against the law firm. So, Got it. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to uh, who ended up being the, the ultimate winner of Five Across, which was uh, MentorVet. Uh, so give us give us an overview of what MentorVet's doing, Keith. Yeah, I want to take full credit for this, by the way. And I say that facetiously. But uh, so MentorVet, led by Addie Reinhard, uh, I was, I, I mentioned, hey, you know what? You should pitch a Five Across next month. And she was like, ah, I don't know. I don't think I could be ready for it. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, she ended up, applying to pitch. I was like, okay, great. And, and then she ends up winning. So when I uh, got to talk to her after the event, I said, uh, you know, you remember I talked you into doing this, so you're welcome. But so mentor that, uh, Addy, Addy, man, I think to just like highlight the big thing for her and her pitch is that she just introduced the pitch with this unbelievably like emotional and personal story that I think captivated the audience and got their attention. And so MentorVet exists because veterinarians are, they're healthcare workers for some of the most important living organisms in our lives, our pets. Uh, and it's such a thankless job. It's such an emotional roller coaster to be a veterinarian because I think we can all understand, especially with COVID, like we're all so grateful for healthcare workers that are, um, that are like, you know, helping our loved ones in tough times. But uh, it's for some reason, veterinarians seem to like go forgotten because it's our pets, but our pets are actually really important to us. So um, the early years of being a veterinarian can be incredibly stressful. Uh, You're dealing with sick, uh, you're dealing with sick pets that mean a lot to your customers and your customers come in and they're upset because, you know, maybe like we can't treat this animal or, um, or like they're upset for, it's just like a high emotion kind of job to do. And so veterinarians actually, unfortunately have one of the highest suicide rates as a result because they're doing this like tough work and it's generally pretty thankless. So uh, Addy is starting mentor vet as a way to connect veterinarians with mentors or like support supports and peer like groups uh, to encourage each other, uh, share best practices and make sure that um, to be a vet is, is actually like a, like a, a, an emotionally and mentally healthy endeavor. So, so I thought she did a, a really good job illustrating like the problem as well as that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, this one actually really resonated with me just because of a memory that I've had uh, with, you know, experience I've had with a vet in a difficult situation. So my senior year of high school, we had to unfortunately put my dog down. And, you know, it was obviously very, very sad to have to do that. But the vet was right there with us during the whole thing. And like, you know, we're crying and it's all sad. And, you know, she mentioned it's just as hard on us as it is on you. Like we hate seeing this happen just as much. And that kind of struck me as like, they probably have to deal with this all the time of pet owners being just absolutely devastated because their beloved pet is is passing away. 
And I think that's something that they deserve a lot more credit for. So that this whole idea really resonated with me. And it something that also struck a chord was when they mentioned, like you, like you said, that there's a really a much higher suicide rate amongst vets. That was kind of like something that seems like it, it goes under the radar a little bit, but it shouldn't, you know? Yeah, this this totally opened my eyes uh, to that to that industry because yeah, you know, Keith, to your point, I really haven't really thought about vets a whole lot of my life. Uh, I, I haven't really made too many trips to the vet, um, but I thought uh, the pitch was like you said, very emotional. Uh, it hit the audience really well. Uh, what I was confused about was what the actual product is. Uh, she didn't really dive into what the actual product was. She kept it pretty high level of you know, here's the problem, uh, here is here's some ways we're going to solve this, but she didn't go into like the actual product. Um, which I would have liked to understand more because uh, from as high level as she kept it, uh, from my perspective, uh, I'm not sure what uh, is preventing somebody else from doing this. You know, you could do uh, group sessions in Zoom. You could start Facebook groups and not do this within a product that people are paying for. Um, so it's not only a moat, it sounds like, for the product. So somebody that has potentially a larger network than she does could come along and do a better job. Uh, but if she gets that stamp of approval, which it sounds like she's starting to get from the industry as a whole, then that's her moat is basically the stamp and the accreditation of the industry. But if that's not there, uh, I don't know enough about the product to know if it's something that is investable. Uh, if there is something underlying that has value or if it's just a community uh, that is getting on Facebook or is getting on Zoom, and if that's the case, there's nothing investable there. Um, so that, that was one thought I had I wish she went more into. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think if I had to guess what maybe the judges liked about what Addie has built so far is that she's shown that she can operate really leanly and really just kind of launch like a, a total MVP of using different tools that already exist, but then also attracting her customer. Um, I think, yeah, maybe a critique from me about the pitch is like maybe a strength and a, a potential weakness is that I'm still not totally clear on, on who's paying for it. Um, but with that, I think that's actually part of her strength is that she's got a few different options. Mm. Um, I think, I think there are veterinary clinics that want to provide the mentorship that mentor vet can, can give, um, for their employees. So they, she can go right to, you know, right to the higher ups and provide it for anybody that works within a clinic, or I suppose she also has the option of selling directly to a vet. That wants to be part of um, be part of the group. So sounds like you. Um, so you do have insight into the MVP. Is there a delivery mechanism? Is there a platform that, as a vet, I log into and there's something I'm interacting with, or is this taking place outside of some kind of platform? Do you know? Yeah, no. I think it's I think it's pretty simple right now. I think they log into Zoom, and I yeah, think they, okay. what they go through. I think what they go through is a curriculum that she's created under the guidance of of lots of advisors, and and uh, cool. so I think she's created. She's got some, I think she's got like a pretty cool curriculum, but to your point, I mean, man, it's going to be tough. Like she's got a, her strength is like, she's got a really good fast launch and she, she can like figure out who her customers are. Um, but to your point, I do worry about like a bigger player just coming in and, and being able to create something with a, a bigger budget perhaps. Yeah, it looks like it looks like her pilot results were really promising. I, th I love that. That was really cool how she presented that data. Um, I would have liked to know, you know, she might've said this and I'm just not remembering the, the total number of participants and, uh, you know, some of the particular questions she was asking, she might not have had time to, to talk about that, but the pilot results looked awesome. I mean, if you can get those kind of results, 
um, at scale, you know, that that's that's proof, uh, social proof that you have something there that that is going to produce results, uh, which is which is good to see. Right. So, all right. Let's move on to the last one. Uh, Vontech. So give us the, the down low on this one and the founder and, and how this came about. Yeah, Vontech uh, is an initiative within Vashan Nicole Technologies, which is, you guessed it, uh, the founder is Vashan Mosby. Uh, so Vontech is aiming to be, maybe to put it simply, aiming to be the Airbnb for subsidized housing. So if you qualify for Section 8 housing, uh, let's just start with in Kentucky, but also think about it from kind of a national standpoint. If you qualify for uh, subsidized housing in Section 8, then it is apparently, and I guess I'm, I'm tremendously blessed to have to learn this uh, through somebody else's eyes and experience, but it is tremendously difficult to find a home for you and your family in, a, in an area that you deem safe and exciting or, you know, the tending view of quality of life for you and your family. Um, and apparently it's all, it all has to be within a pretty tight time frame. Uh, and it's kind of as the result of like a lottery. So there's such demand for Section 8 housing that you've got to enter a lottery. You've got to wait and kind of just survive until your name gets picked. And in Vashon's experience, when her name was picked after what she said was seven years, then she only had 14 days to find a home. And she, at the time, was a single working mother of, I think, a two-year-old. And she was only about 20 years old at the time. So, I mean, imagine, like, your day-to-day life as a single mom. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you've got to, like, find a, a home to live in. Otherwise, maybe you missed your chance. So... What, what Vontech uh, wants to be is a, a platform kind of like Airbnb for subsidized housing, where you can see on a map houses that uh, have landlords that are willing and able uh, to list their home for subsidized or for Section 8 pricing um, and work with the government. And it allows users to find more easily a home that is going to be better for their future in a quicker time frame. Yeah. And I think she did a great job, you know, telling the story and kind of evoking that emotional response from the audience. Something that I was kind of thinking during this is, you know, it's it's definitely a privilege to have that internet access or a way to access a platform like Airbnb. And I think we're finally getting to the point where a platform like Vontech could exist because the bar- the cost of having that technology to access uh, these types of platforms is getting lower and lower. But I think that's a that's probably a critique I would have is that it's still going to be difficult to get this in the hands of the people that need it most. So I think there's, there would have to be, you know, kind of another side of this initiative to where there's going to have to be a lot of people that are going out and making the people they're trying to help aware that a solution like this actually exists. Yeah. But if if they do a good job solving the problem, I feel like the word of mouth would be pretty insane. Uh, It would definitely get, get passed along pretty fast because it's a, it's a big problem. And she did a good job painting like how big the problem actually is and how kind of uh, dysfunctional the whole you know system is and the process of going through just sounds really messy. It sounds you know it sounds like a really unfortunate situation um, that that doesn't really uh, provide a lot of security you know for these people. You know the, the 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 thing that probably matters most to them is a feeling of you know uh, security uh, and, and they're just not provided that in any way. And if you have a marketplace and you have some kind of transparency into what's out there that would at least provide a little bit more security um, 
And so I thought, uh, I thought she did a great job talking about the problem. One, so a critique that, that I had was, uh, I think her pitch delivery, a couple things is, uh, whenever, uh, you know, I pitch, I try not to read off the, off the presentation, uh, cause that, you know, presents all kinds of, uh, smaller problems, you know, just the cadence that you're able to, to present at, uh, and you're going to have to, if you mess up, you know, she did it a few times, she had to back up and, and re reread the sentence. Maybe that's just a nervousness thing. Uh, but typically what you want to do is you want to have like one slide dedicated to the problem, have some bullet points, not have to type it all out, you know, talk at it, uh, just off those bullet points. Cause as an audience member, you know, the audience is not going to read those, the, the, the pitch deck, you know, they want to listen, they want to be pitched to. Um, so that was one critique. Um, and then one thing was, uh, that was unclear. And I think the judges asked her this was, you know, how, how does this make money? Um, it sounds like, uh, the government's going to get behind this and she's working with the government. Uh, but if there's no business model, uh, I'm not sure, you know, how it's sustainable if it's not being paid for by the government. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, came to my mind was, uh, you know, if it's such a, it's such a big problem and it's known to be a big problem, but if there was a business model to be had, uh, you'd hope it would already have happened. Uh, and so I guess there's not a whole lot of money to be made in the industry if it's not subsidized. So that was one thing that, that I was thinking of when I was, when I was watching. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think, I think, yeah, it wasn't, it's not super clear kind of where the money is coming from. Uh, and unfortunately, when you want to build something that serves people who are inherently just, you know, going through challenging financial times in their life, um, somebody still has to pay enough uh, to make sure that, like, that you can build a sustainable business. And, um, and if it's not coming from the, you know, who is going to be the new tenant of a, of a subsidized home, then I don't, perhaps she can find a way to provide a ton of value to the landlord and it's somehow worth it to the landlord. Like, Hey, you connected me with this person. And for some reason it's worth, it's worth more than, uh, even over and above the rent that I charge them, then perhaps that's the model. But yeah, I think. I think the goal is to essentially work with the government and and you know land some grant opportunities or even just build a technology that the that I think it's so it's HUD and I'm having a trouble remembering it's Housing Urbanization Department or something along that line those lines and perhaps she wants to build a technology that's worth their time to to buy. Yeah, it sounds like she's done an awesome job networking and and like getting out in the community and getting people behind the idea. You know, she did a great job. You know, pitching it. Uh, and, and sharing that emotional story in a way that, you know, it was almost, she did a great job because she, she presented a story and then she kept going throughout the, the presentation. And then at the end, she said, oh, by the way, that was me. I thought that was really clever. It really hits you at the end. Because uh, mm -hmm. again, it makes it personal. It makes you realize that, oh, she knows exactly what she's talking about. Um, and I'm sure she she used that same, uh, you know, tactic and just really used her personal story to get out of the community and network and really get these people behind it. One, one question I had, I don't know if she ever touched on this or Keith, I don't know if you talked to her about this or why she does this, but I've never heard anybody refer to, you know, I'm used to saying homeless. She was saying houseless. Did do you have any, any context around, around why she would say that? Yeah. It's interesting that you caught that because when I've talked to her, I actually asked her the exact same question. Uh, and really, I guess it's kind of a matter of respect, I guess, um, you know, folks that are, are, you know, kind of struggling to find a place to live, um, to be called homeless, maybe comes with, uh, kind of this unfair stigma, um, that is a little bit like it seeps into assumptions about their life that were maybe like 
not really fair assumptions of them, uh, but to call them houseless really just kind of narrows it down to like, hey, I'm just without a house. Um, I'm yeah. a great person. I work hard. I try. I want to be a great citizen. Um, and I'm just without a house. So um, I don't know that that's anything necessarily official. Maybe we should follow up and, and see about that. But I, I thought that was a really interesting thing from her to, to um, kind of almost demand a renewed respect for people that are without a house. I thought that was super interesting because like the word home has a lot more connotations to it. It's like home is not necessarily, you know, the house you live in. It's like who you're with. It's like, there's a lot more that goes into home than, you know, I'm just houseless. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know uh, why, why that was, but I thought I'd ask, but I, right. I um, yeah, I thought she did a, did a good job telling the story. Again, I think the pitch delivery, somebody's um, definitely going to help her and she's going to do a great job with that. Um, but uh, again, the, the critique was, um, you know, if you're going to give a presentation, just do bullet points, do uh, probably less slides about the particular issue uh, and, and just the delivery needs to be to the audience and not reading. Uh, so that was, that, was, that was what I thought. But yeah, right. perfect. Well, uh, that was some some good critiques about uh, all these awesome five across companies that pitch. I hope that everyone listening has gotten some good uh, good advice and good feedback and good critiques from this. Um, congrats to Mentor Vet for for winning uh, the the is it February? I'm already losing track yeah. of the dates. February five yep. across. Uh, so Keith, I'll let you give a, a plug for the next five across. Uh, where they can watch this current five across and how they can register for the next one. Sure. Sure. And if you don't mind, I just want to give some credit where credit's due, uh, especially to you guys for hosting such an awesome podcast and highlighting just really cool things that are happening um, in our region. So uh, definitely shout out to you all. Uh, I want to shout out to, I mean, our event, we, um, in full disclosure, uh, because of COVID, we had to kind of scramble to figure out where, our budget was going to come from to operate five across in 2021. So I want to give major props to kinetic by Windstream for stepping in and being our title sponsor for the year and making sure that the whole year of events can happen from a title sponsorship standpoint. Um, for February, our presenting sponsor was Airwing Ventures, which you're familiar with Dan Belly, I know. So Dan, a big shout out to Dan and Airwing Ventures for being the presenting sponsor. Um, our judges were Daniel Diachun, David Goodnight, Elizabeth Roundsval, and Randall Stevens. We're just blessed with brilliant people in, in Kentucky that are not only brilliant, but also generous with their time and their brains. So I wanted to give a shout out to, to those folks. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, the way that you can, if you missed the event and you're now curious to watch it because of this podcast, you can go on YouTube and do a little search for Awesome Inc. Five Across February 2021, and it should come up. The whole event is there. Uh, and if you would like to attend the next event, it will be May 26th. It's Wednesday, May 26th, and it will be outside at Whitaker Bank Ballpark. So get yourself some popcorn, some hot dogs, and join us at Whitaker Bank Ballpark. Tons of space. To, to be away from other people, but also be with them. And uh, and like I mentioned before, the event will also be live streamed, so you can still tune in and watch it uh, on your phone, computer, tablet, or BlackBerry. Awesome. Probably not your BlackBerry. <laughs> Probably not a BlackBerry these days, but that's okay. <laughs> well, Keith, thanks so much for coming on and doing this with us. This was a lot of fun. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at the, at the next Five Cross. Yeah, Evan and Logan, thank you very much. And uh, we'll, we will talk again soon, I suppose. We yep, will. sounds good. See you, Keith. See you.